Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. I'm your host, Nick Berlansky, joined as always by Nick Horwat, and we're having an office party here because we also have, from InsideThePenguins.com, Jacob Puntori, who has become the draft expert. Uh, we're here to talk a little bit about the NHL draft, but we welcome on Jacob Puntori for his first appearance on the Tip of the Iceberg. How's it going, Jacob? Oh, great. Nick and Nick, it's just a, a pleasure to be here. Thanks so much for having me on here, guys. Excited to talk some draft, talk Penguins. Long-time listener, first-time caller. <laughs> Got the joke in there, and I'm ready to roll. Good to get it in, and hell, it's not even like you're a listener or a co-worker these days. It's a lot of fun having you around. You're doing great stuff on the website that uh, I'm very appreciative of, Berlansky's very appreciate, appreciative of, and our higher-ups love as well, so that's always important. Heck yeah. Heck yeah, so grateful for you both and getting the chance to, to chat with you, become friends with you both, and talk Penguins. I mean, oh, it's a good time. What an offseason to be able to talk Penguins, too. I mean, they yeah. have the first-round draft pick. Not only do they have it, but it's a lottery selection for the first time since, what, 2012 when they took Derek Pouliot? We don't have to go into Derek Pouliot and what he's, he's done. counting 2020? Higher than 14? It was lottery because we were in there, weren't we? Yeah, but we traded it. Still didn't take the there. selection. It was 15th overall, and it was Rodion Amirov, and that pick was actually drafted by Kyle Dubas. So, yeah, uh, full circle moment. At least Kyle Dubas is drafted in the lottery in the past three seasons. But the <laughs> NHL draft is eight days away, and the Penguins, like we mentioned, have the 14th overall selection. Jacob, I know there's a lot of forwards in this first round draft class. I know that it is littered with talented forwards, fun forwards to watch and the Pittsburgh Penguins. Let's face it. They're probably in a position where they need to take best player available. Cause they really don't have anybody, but there's a name on defense that really caught my eye and has really shot up the board. And that's Axel Sandin Palika out of Sweden. What is it about his game that caused him to jump so much in draft positioning this year? Oh, I mean, it's simple. He is the most elite skater of the defensive class by far. He is a beast with the puck. He is a one-man transition, and he has the most offensive upside potential. Uh, you know, when I watched him, I instantly think of someone in-house, Chris Letang. You know, suddenly a right-handed defense who can just be a one-man breakout. He can quarterback your power play. And when you look at Sandin Pelica, you see all of those traits and more. He just has sky-high potential. And there's a lot of other defensive prospects in this class that seem like they have a lower floor, but maybe a lower ceiling as well. And there's just so much intrigue with Sandin Pelica's game that I think all these organizations are kind of chomping at the bit to get their hands on him. Yeah, as as the time has gone on, I've noticed his name has kind of slowly um, risen up most draft boards, uh, much as, you know, as Matvey Mitchkov slips. I mean, we're not going to really discuss him because that is kind of a it's kind of a dream, but you just never know. But uh, I'm interested in this. In Ax plus the name Axel Sandin Paleka. <laughs> I'm never ever gonna get it right. Um, but yeah, no, the stuff you wrote about him is quite impressive. And honestly, I, it took me a minute to realize he was a defenseman. Whenever I was reading through it, absolutely, that's how uh, offensively impressive he is. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, absolutely. And when you watch him play, there's times where he seems like a forward. You know, he just he wants to be in on the attack. He's often deep in the zone. He loves to be a part of the forwards breaking out. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he is just so exciting. I think there's unfortunately some teams in front of Pittsburgh that are very defensively needy right now. I think of teams like Buffalo and Detroit who really want to add to those defensive prospects. And I think they really idolize that speed as well. Similarly, how Dubas and, and Sullivan have been trying to say, you know, we want to build prospects that are NHL speed, you know, play that game system, that 2016, 2017 cup run style. Uh, and I think Sandin Pelica fits perfectly into an organization that wants to play a fast game. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes top 10. But I think if he's there at 14 and the Penguins are hanging on to that pick still, you, you got to think really hard about passing on him because he's just so talented. Yeah, and a lot of this is also based on if the Penguins decide to keep the pick, which we know is rare. But uh, Braden Yeager is a name that's like he's popped up a couple of times around the Penguins and is pretty much slated to go 14, it seems. Um, what kind of talent does he bring uh, to a team if he gets the NH- if and when he gets the NHL call? And I'm going to throw in a Nate Daniels into this one as well. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think those those two guys are really the, the comparison because when you look at Jaeger, and it seems like the Penguins are at least very interested in him. They took him out to dinner during the combine. They took some time to talk one on one with him. They are clearly intrigued. Uh, and the thing about Jaeger is he has a two way game that just fits the NHL. Like he's not going to be a liability defensively if anything he will excel uh, and if that scoring touch that took a dip this past season uh, you went from I think 30 some goals to only 27 this past season uh, if that offensive dip continues you know he's going to be a bottom six contributor you know he's going to be able to play uh, penalty killing minutes will be able to eat those special situations for sure uh, but then there's a lot of offensive upside there too he has a lethal release he certainly has 20 goal potential. You just want to see him improve that offensive part of his game next year as well. But besides that, he feels like he's not very far away from the NHL. Maybe two more seasons. Uh, and then you look at Danielson as well. And I think he's also one of the most NHL ready prospects. He's, you know, six foot two. He's 200 pounds. He's ready to handle the rigor of the NHL. He's responsible in his own zone, and he played on a very, very bad Brandon team in the WHL, and he led that team in scoring, and he was just the engine that drove that team. So you look at him, and you think of the Penguins. They need help, especially center help. They need guys who maybe could play before Crosby and Malkin are fully out of their prime. I mean, not out of their prime, but out of their ability to be productive. Um, And you think of Danielson. I think I lean towards him if I'm picking between Danielson and Jaeger. Uh, but I think either way, you're looking at a guy who's going to be a third-line center for sure, second-line center potential for sure. Yeah, Braden Yeager, when everybody's talked about him and, and the profile that you wrote up on him, I was watching and I was like, man, best player on a bad team certainly sounds like Owen Pickering. Like, certainly sounds like what Owen Pickering was for the Swift Current Broncos when the Penguins p- picked him last season. But no, the the intrigue is certainly there, like you mentioned, and honestly... When it comes to 14th overall, he's being mocked a little higher in some mocks that I've seen. He's being mocked a little bit lower. So it seems like 14 is the nice median for a lot of different mock drafts. So I would not be shocked to see if, if they keep the pick, which again, Horwat has mentioned is uh, is a big if uh, with an asterisk next to it and and maybe a, a, a spot of coffee on it. Uh, but <laughs> Braden Yeager seems like he would be like one of the likely names that the Penguins have on their draft board is somebody that they would take at, at number 14. But 
you mentioned something there that's vastly important to me when looking at this draft class. Everybody's talking about, yes, it's one of the best draft classes we've seen in a long time. The Pittsburgh Penguins, though, are an obvious need of prospects across the board. However, with the window beginning to close on this current core, which first-round prospect around the Penguins' range is closest to being NHL-ready in your opinion? Obviously, this is the NHL draft. It's not the NFL draft. It's not the NBA draft. These guys aren't going to come into camp this fall and win a spot right away, but which one do you think is far enough in their progression that you could say it's maybe like an Anton Lundell? One year getting ready, next year coming up and already playing at least quarter of a season. Uh, do you see somebody like that in the Penguins range around 14? I do. I think the closest one, and again, this might be a little bit of a reach at 14, but I think Matthew Wood is the guy who is probably closest to the NHL between picks 10 and 20. I mean, he was the youngest player in the NCAA last year, and he led UConn in scoring. The guy has, uh, I think he's 6'4", 6'5". He has this like prototypical power forward frame, but he plays the game with finesse and speed. He play, he looks like he's six foot out there, but not in a bad way. He just moves so swiftly he's so nimble whenever he's in the breakout and whenever he has the puck on his stick you kind of forget that he is that big so the big question for him is can he play a little bit more physically and I think another year at UConn to sort of bulk up a little bit be a little bit more assertive in that way uh, is really all that's missing from his game so I think another season uh, against uh, NCAA competition is really all that Wood's missing and then I think he's going to be contributing by 2024-2025 so in the chance that you know some teams are looking for some higher upside potential. The Sandin Pelicas, guys like, you know, Oliver Moore or something like that comes to mind as well, who have uh, higher ceilings but might take a little bit longer. I think that might allow for a player like Matthew Wood, who is very close to NHL ready to be available at 14. And if he is, again, I think with a lot of these players, it's so deep, you're like, how do you pass on a player this talented and this close to the NHL? Uh, but Matthew Wood is a guy who I think could contribute before uh, too long. Is Matthew and, Wood a guy that you would consider to be like one of those sleeper choices? I mean, I had a question here of like, are there any sleeper picks that could slip to 14? But I mean, with it being this deep, are they really sleepers too? Yeah, I I, I wouldn't call them sleepers. I'd call them surprises, right? Because I think there's so many different players where organizations seem split, scouts seem split on whether they're top 10 talents or whether that's just a, a projection that doesn't really make sense. Uh, so I think it's not necessarily a sleeper, but I think it would be a surprise if Matthew Wood dropped out of the top 10, especially when you are so productive in the NCAA uh, and with how productive the league or, you know, the competition has been the past couple of years. Uh, I think it's going to be hard to, for teams to pass on him. Um, but I think he could be a surprise. I think someone else that's like an actual sleeper pick that not a lot of people are talking about uh, is a player by the name of Daniel Boot. Uh, he played in Russia this past year for Yaroslavl in their MHL, their like junior AHL uh, affiliate. Um, and he's a freak on the ice. He's also a huge body. He's six foot five, but he's a playmaker through and through. Uh, and I think that there was just a big, uh, there's a huge discrepancy with Russian prospects because they weren't in a part of international play this past season. So I think pros, uh, Prospects across the board just aren't getting enough face time from scouts and probably aren't getting the credit they're due. Uh, but I think if a player like him, and there's no denying how skilled he is, you know, the questions are how long it's going to take him to actually come over to North America and when he can actually contribute. Uh, but I think there are some players like that that are just going to be overlooked and will drop further than they should because of just the lack of access to the players. 
I was reading your profile on Samuel Honzik. Am I saying that correctly? Honzik? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, on Samuel Honzik, I was just reading it yesterday, and it seems like he's almost like a jack-of-all-trades. You mentioned that he can play power play. He loves mm-hmm. to play on the penalty kill. He's a net front guy, which uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins sorely need more of those guys that can finish in front of the net. However, I've seen him ranked as low as 22 on elite prospects. Would it be a reach for them to take him at 14, or do you think it would be smarter for them to try to trade back like Kyle Dubas, you know, you know, we've seen him in the, in the past, like to do that as Horwat uh, has mentioned to me multiple times. Um, but do you think it would be smarter for them to try to trade back for them? Or do you think that Hansik at 14 would actually be a good pick? I think if Hansik's their guy, they probably could move back a couple of spots. Uh, I think uh, of uh, organizations like maybe like Winnipeg or Chicago at those picks 18 or 19 who want to add another power forward uh, or someone like that. Uh, So I I really see him as like a 15 to 20 going in that range. So I think they maybe could, you know, get an extra asset if they move back a couple of picks if if Hanzik's their guy. But he is a jack of all trades. I I love I love that term there. Uh, I think he really uh, he can play center. You know, he might end up being a wing when he makes it to the NHL level, but he's just, he he's, he's can do it all. Uh, he had a little bit of an injury plague season in Vancouver this past season. So it kind of stifled him a little bit, but I mean, he, he's got it all. He's just, uh, I think he would be a great addition to the Penguins system, uh, but I wouldn't love him at 14. And that makes sense too, because, you know, like Bernice, he just mentioned and now like how everybody has mentioned, Kyle Dubas is big on, the trading back in the draft for extra picks. And with the Penguins only having six picks in seven rounds this year, um, that might be a decent uh, tactic to to, uh, deploy here. Um, Do you think that Kyle Dubas should try that this, with this draft in particular, what kind of deep options could there be floating late in the first round, even into the second round? Yeah. I I mean, yeah, this class is so deep. I think if they, I, I wouldn't, prefer them to move out of you know below pick like 25 if they really want to at that point just trade the pick for someone who is just like nhl ready who's some sort of like top four defenseman or middle six of the lineup help uh but not to go down that path but i I think they really could go down further in the first round and get a player that is going to be uh a a really blue chip prospect um but if they wanted to move into like the second round like you're suggesting Horwat, or just like you know maybe picks after 25 there's a, a player that I I love and I have a profile that's going to be out soon. His name's Grayson Sachin. Uh, he played in Seattle this past season, and he was their second line center. He played below a lot of already drafted players and who guys who are going to make NHL rosters. Uh, so he saw sort of a sheltered role, uh, but he was over a point per game player. He has these magically soft hands. Uh, so when he has the puck in the offensive zone, he is just a, a dangling threat around defenses. Um, so I'm really, uh, I think his ceiling is sky high. And I think once these sort of players who were in front of him graduate to the next level, he's going to be getting first line minutes. And it's going to be really interesting to see if he takes his game to that next level, or if he really was just uh, maybe a byproduct of how talented the team was. Um, but he's projected to go anywhere from, I've seen him in like the twenties. I've seen him ranked at like in the forties. Uh, so I think scouts are kind of split on what his full potential is. Uh, but he's a player that sticks out. If they want to go later, they certainly can. And I'll mention just one other guy that I'm a big fan of. His name's Gavin Brindley. Uh, he's also to the NCAA. He played with Adam Fantilli at the University of Michigan. Uh, he was just under a point per game player in his freshman year, and he's a bit undersized. He's five eight, uh, but he's undeniably skilled. 
Uh, and I think whenever you're able to put up close to a point per game in the NCAA, it says a lot about your skill level, regardless of how deep the team is. Uh, so I think he, again, is one of those players who might go 25 to 32, might be a second round pick. Um, but if that's someone, you know, if Dubas wants to get a couple more assets and still get a player that's going to be an NHL contributor, I think it's possible. I really do. Now, obviously, you've put in a lot of man hours. You've put in a lot of work watching all of the, these prospects, and it would it would hurt to see the Pittsburgh Penguins trade out of the first round and, like you mentioned, get somebody for their team. Now, obviously, it'd be nice to see them grab somebody for the team next season, but do you think, and this is now just purely opinion, obviously, do you think that Kyle Dubas ends up taking a selection at 14, or do you think he trades out of it? Man, gut instinct, I really think he moves the pick. Um I think the goal is obviously to win another cup in the next year. Uh, and I think that the the value of the 14th overall pick is huge and is probably the best trade asset the Penguins have at the moment. Um, so I think gut reaction, he probably tries to move the pick. Um, but also, I, I am a firm believer in building through the draft. So I think if you really want to make sure that this organization has any sort of structure after 2025, you need to pick a player at 14 who is going to be an NHL contributor. Uh, so I, I hope he hangs on to the pick. Won't be shocked if he trades it. Not going to lie. I've been on the fence about that particular decision coming up for Kyle Dubas for a while. 17 minutes in here, man. You've swayed me. Take the pick. Like this is a, there's a lot of guys that you've t talked about. And obviously somewhat there's a level of magic beans that gets played into this because they are all draft picks that we're talking about. 18, 17, 19 year old guys that have yet to develop fully into their bodies, let alone into their hockey talent. But I do like a lot of the, the talent, a lot of the names that we've talked about here. And for your sake, for our sake, for the Pittsburgh Penguins sake, I hope they do make the selection because uh, I'm excited to talk more about prospects. And we haven't had that opportunity really uh, much lately because there's not very many prospects to speak of uh, with most of them currently residing at Wilkes-Barre Scranton. But we're going to take a quick break. Jacob is sticking around here for a second segment. We're going to talk outside of the NHL draft a little bit. Some of the offseason storylines. Jacob will join us to talk a little bit about the goaltending and more here on the tip of the iceberg. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by Inside the Penguins, as we have our website summit here on the show today. We have Nick Horwat as always, as well as me, Nick Berlansky, but we're joined by Jacob Pontori, who just broke down so many of the prospects that could go in the first round of the 2023 NHL draft, which is only eight days away. It'll take place in Nashville, Tennessee. Horrell was down there. Apparently, uh, a couple weeks ago, they were still unsure about, you know, whether or not they were having the draft because they had nothing up. Is that right, Horwat? <laughs> and there was no no uh, banners up, but that's okay. It's Nashville. It's uh, The playoffs are still going on, I guess, too, because, you know, Gary Bettman is very weird when it comes to what's getting the attention. <laughs> There's a lot of people in Nashville. You don't want them thinking the draft is this week. Plus the CMA Fest was the week after or something like that. So I don't know. Maybe that was just Nashville's planning. Yeah. Uh, something tells me that country music a little bit higher than the NHL draft in Nashville's eyes. You could say that. Okay. Well, fair enough. But um, let's get back to the nitty gritty talking about the Pittsburgh Penguins with, of course, writer for InsideThePenguins.com, Jacob Puntori. 
There's new management here with Kyle Dubas. We talked about him and, and whether or not he would trade the first round pick, but he's yet to make a single move at this point, right? Right. He has plenty of holes to fill, plenty of things that are going to be on his plate in the coming weeks. But Jacob, do you feel like they're likely to run it back in net with Tristan Jari at this point? And, and is that the best option? I do not think Tristan Jari is going to return to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, I, I really don't. I, I think his contract demands, I think he's he's the top goalie on the free agent market for better or for worse. You know, I think that says a lot about the market right now more than anything. Uh, but I, I, he's the top guy available. So I think if he is going to ask for a, a long extension, which I would imagine he wants, you know, four to six years at least, I think that's a really long commitment to make to a goalie regardless of the term, and especially to a guy who has really shown – uh, you know, his skill set for sure. He's, he's talented. Um, and he is a, a great locker room guy. It seems like everybody loves him and they support him for sure. Uh, but he just hasn't proved it enough to, to warrant a, a four to six year extension in my mind. And I think when you're the top guy on the market, goalie wise, I think you're going to command at least $5 million. And I think that's probably well spent in other ways. Not sure exactly how, uh, but I think all of that combination adds up to Tristan Jari not being a Pittsburgh Penguin uh, for the 2023-2024 season. And I think they're going to have to find some other option. Uh, free agency doesn't seem like the best path to me, but I don't really know trade options and how that would even work and if the assets would even make sense. Uh, but to answer your question, no, I don't think they're running the backing goal. Yeah, the Penguins are very shallow in assets, so making a trade for a goal is going to be difficult. and. Um, something I just put up on the website a few minutes ago before we started uh, recording here is that the talks have not yet started with Jari. So, I mean, that could just be Dubas trying to, you know, do other managerial things because uh, he's under a month into his tenure. The only issue is the draft and free agency, like we kind of just discussed, are just over a week away. So he's got to make that – got to start if, – if, if, if Dubas wants to keep him around, those negotiations kind of have to start him quickly. But um, – you know, if you were to create the task list for Kyle Dubas, we know it's long. We know it's going to be a long one. It's got a lot to work on here. But what do you have at number one? What is the first thing Kyle Dubas needs to, when it comes to the player personnel, what is the first thing he needs to straighten out with this team? I think priority number one, and it's been the same priority for the last calendar year, is figuring out a third line center. They just have no bottom six stability in any sort of way. I, you know, I love Ryan Paling and Drew O'Connor. I think that they really can be contributors in bottom six roles, but you don't build your third and fourth lines around those guys. Those are complementary pieces. Uh, so I think they really just need an anchor in the bottom six. Uh, and I think if I'm if I'm Kyle Dubas, I, I'm looking at every option I can, free agency, trade, whatever it means to solidify that because. You know, the top six, he said it in his introductory press conference. You can't really mess with it. You know, Zucker might leave, but I think you could probably find someone to replace him if he does. Uh, and the top six will produce. That's just kind of a given. Uh, the bottom six is just a mess, however. Um, so they need someone to just come in, straighten that out. I don't know who it is off the top of my head, but they need a third line center. So that's top number one on my priority list. And then number two is you have to figure out how to get rid of your two worst contracts, which to me are Jeff Petrie and Michael Brandland. Uh, and that's no disrespect to the players. Uh, I bet they're great people. They certainly have produced in ways Petrie wasn't terrible. He's just not a $6.25 million defenseman, at least not for the Penguins. And Michael Grandlin is not a third line anchor. And he's probably not 
a solid second line left winger for Evgeny Malkin. Uh, so I think you have to find ways to, I don't think buyout's the best option for a team that just needs every cap dollar it can get going forward. I don't think the cap savings are necessarily worth it, but I think you just got to figure out a way to get rid of at least one of those contracts, uh, allow yourself some more space for this offseason. And then again, I think it contributes to building your bottom six because depth is probably the only way that this team can win, in my opinion, another Stanley Cup. Because uh, they need pieces behind Sid and Gino to support for not only an 82-game season, but a playoff push. And I don't think it would be fair to put that all on the top two lines to take care of. Yeah, we saw exactly what happens when you don't build behind Crosby and Juno last season. I mean, Crosby and Evgeny Malkin and Jake Gensel and Ricard Raquel and, you know, Jason Zucker as well. They all had great seasons. I mean, you could add Chris Letang to that list after he came back uh, from his injury. And, of course, the slew of other personal issues that uh, that he had last season. He was really good for the majority of the back half of the season. But it was just that was it. There was nobody else there, and they missed the postseason. So, yeah, I I echo 100% of the sentiment that you just said, that you need to build, uh, especially in the bottom six. Kyle Dubas, like you mentioned, said it in his introductory press conference. You you can't get any more obvious than that whenever the the new president of hockey operations in his first 30 minutes of being on the job says, yeah, we need to build around these guys better because that was not good enough last year. Um, And something that you mentioned in that answer, too, uh, that I wanted to talk about briefly doesn't look like Jason Zucker is going to be signed before the opening of free agency, at least uh, to me it doesn't. I mean, that's 11 days away. We haven't heard murmurs of really anything other than what Horwat just mentioned, that they haven't started talking to Tristan Jari. That's about the only player personnel we've heard of, and it's not even news about them talking to somebody. It's news about them not talking to somebody. So it seems as if Jason Zucker, at the very least, will at least enter the open market on July 1st. With his roster spot vacated, though, who is somebody you would like to see the Penguins target for that second line role, maybe even a bumper role between the second and third lines? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I think your article, Berlansky, uh, and, and when you touched on him, Penguins to go about Bertuzzi, I think is like not only a splash signing, but a guy who just might make sense on the second line. Uh, I think you got to hope that because he had somewhat of a down season, st- statistically, excuse me, uh, that maybe you can get him to take a little bit of a of a salary reduction, but he's also probably the most sought after left wing uh, on the open market. So I think he's, you're going to get into some sort of bidding war. Uh, But another option that I really, really think the Penguin should look into uh, is Pierre Engvall. Uh, And I think not only does he have a connection to Kyle Dubas, you know, he he traded him last year to the Islanders, uh, but he knows him very well. Uh, But Engvall had, uh, I think it was 17 goals last year. Um, and he had nine points in 18 games with the Islanders after he was traded. Uh, and they found some success with him when they put him in a, a top six role. Uh, and you look at Engvall, and I think a lot of players or a lot of people just think he's just like a very big body, uh, but he's an incredibly fast skater. And that's absolutely his best skill. Uh, and the Penguins need skaters. Uh, so I think if they get a 17 goal guy who can maybe fluctuate between a second and third line, like you're saying, Berlansky, uh, might cost them a little bit less. Uh, I see a player like Engvall who could be an option. Uh, I think the Islanders are pushing very hard. Everything I'm reading is that they really want to extend him. Uh, so he might not be available on July 1. Uh, but if he is, I think he would make a lot of sense for the Penguins' needs. We just need Kyle Dubas to tamper a little bit. Just be like, hey, I was just texting my buddy Pierre. You know, we were we were close in Toronto. We had to grab a cup of coffee. We didn't talk business. We, I promise. <laughs> just light conversation. That's all. Yeah, I'm sure Lou Lamorello wouldn't see through that at all. No. <laughs> <laughs> him and Spencer both uh, just paying for some coffees it is what it is 
Um, so, and I'll finish this off with by asking a question that we brought up last week, and you you don't have to go into a, a ton of detail on this, but can the Penguins straight up be a contender again this upcoming season? Yes, I think they can be. Um, do do I think they will be? Uh, pro- not right now. Uh, I, I have not seen enough to think that they are Stanley Cup contenders going into this season. But I mean, this is all kind of you know the precursor to what will inform those decisions, right? So, uh, yeah, uh, at the end of June, they don't look anywhere close to being uh, back in Stanley Cup contention for the 23-24 season. Um, But I think if they can add, you know, maybe a third-line center or if they can get some sort of depth that seems improved, and if they add any sort of defensive help as well, or if they, you know, I guess it depends on what sort of goaltending situation it looks like too i think that would be a huge decision uh, i think they can be a contender uh right now they don't seem like a contender to me though it's very fair i mean to, when you look at the team i mean there's so many holes at this point you don't know which way is up when you look at where this direction uh, what direction this team is going to go in heading into next season with kyle dubas taking over the reins three weeks ago and you know we we mentioned when he took over hey this is going to be a much more open process but to his credit, mom's the word so far. Just kind of keeping it close to his vest, plotting, playing, trying to figure out the layout of the land. And uh, we'll see whenever uh, whenever he breaks his silence and makes a signing. Uh, we'll have to wait and see uh, what that ends up being and what shape this team starts to take on as they head into the 2023-24 season. But Jacob, thank you so much for joining us today. It'll be the first of, hopefully, if, if you're uh, you know open to it, hopefully many guest appearances on the Tip of the Iceberg podcast because we loved having you on. Obviously, everybody, we talked draft in the first segment. Go check out all of the draft profiles on InsideThePenguins.com under Jacob Buntori. Just go to his pro- author profile page. They're all under there. And it is great stuff if you're getting ready for the NHL draft here in eight days. But, Jake, I'm going to open up the floor to you. What do you have coming out soon, or what are some things that people can look for on InsideThePenguins.com? Yeah, I mean, you'll just see a couple more draft profiles leading up to uh, the actual draft in, in eight days. Uh, and then you'll you'll see some some reactions to the draft one way or the other from me. Uh, and then after that, I think you'll get some some heavy opinions on whatever their free agency deals are. Uh, so yeah, check out my author page. Uh, and then yeah, I, I'm, I'm down to come on whenever you guys will have me. It's been a, a blast chatting with you. So just let me know when you want me to come back and I'll, I'll bug you some more. That's what we wanted to hear, Jacob. Thank you so much again. You can follow him on Twitter at Jake underscore Atsby. And we will be back on this episode of The Tip of the Iceberg. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast brought to you as always by Inside the Penguins. One last thank you goes out to Jacob Pontori for joining the show. Obviously phenomenal insight on the NHL draft and a lot of the prospects. They could be floating around the Pittsburgh Penguins at 14th overall. Much uh, much more insight that I could offer personally uh, on the prospects. It is an art form to watching these guys and being able to get these profiles out. And again, I said it so many times during the interview, I strongly suggest if you want to get caught up on any prospects that you're getting ready, you're hearing that are going to be around the Pittsburgh Penguins selection, check out Jacob's work on Inside the Penguins. Uh, 
very good breakdowns and certainly uh, did all the legwork for us uh, as we get to sit back and just kind of listen to him spit about some of these prospects. And and he has, I was, I was not lying. He has talked me into it. I want them to take the 14th overall selection, trade a first round pick. Sure. Do it next year. It's always fun whenever we get the first round, whenever we get a first round pick, right? It's kind of always interesting. Now it's rare. Keep on. Yeah, it's rare. And then you get to keep an eye on it. Like we, you know, we don't talk much about Owen Pickering, but like we know um, his possibilities. We know what could become of him. Well, the same thing happened with Kasperi Kapanen at first, and then we traded him, and then you know things went south from there, and then north from there, and then south again. We know how all that went. It's a ton of fun seeing this, and Jake's been doing a phenomenal job. I we haven't fed him any names. I fed him a couple. I fed him the one goalie just because I figured goalie's kind of a hot topic. Drafting a goalie would be an even hotter topic. And I did feed him the Montvey Mitchkov one just because. You know what? He's slipping on boards. He's not going to slip to 14. I'll tell you what. He's not slipping past eight. Who's sitting at number eight? Ted Leonsis and the Washington Capitals. There's not a chance that if he gets to eight that the Capitals aren't going to take this guy. Because let's be fair. I don't know much about prospects. I haven't watched a lot of these guys. I've watched the top five. I've watched the top five, and Matvey Mitchkov, he's not Connor Bedard. Let's get that out in the open right now. Connor Bedard is the pure number one. There's no doubt about it. It's not last year with with Shane Wright dropping and not, you know, it's not that. Connor Bedard is is that guy. Yeah, Matvey Mitchkov it's... is number two when it comes to talent. If it yeah. wasn't for, obviously, where he's playing in Russia, the contract that he has with his Russian team, the complications and potentially getting him over, Matvey Mitchkov would go number two in a heartbeat to the Anaheim Ducks. But I think he goes at eight at the lowest, but I also could see him going to the Arizona Coyotes. I believe they're at number six. Yeah, there's a couple of teams that um, definitely should consider taking him. And, you know, the Coyotes are tragic enough that if he doesn't come over, it'd just be another... Just another notch in the bedpost for them. Like, it's... Here we go again. Uh, the thing about Mitchkov, though, is that just... It's so... Everything's so up in the air. You, no one really knows what... Who he's talking to, who he wants to talk to. But I just kind of threw it out there as a... If he slips, yeah. it's a possibility. You never know. Um, What's interesting, yeah, no, too, about Jacob's him... Jacob's done a... Sorry, just one last thing about Mitchkov. What's interesting, too, about him is Elliot Friedman of 32 Thoughts said that it was difficult to get a hold of him. Even yeah. when scouts would go over there and try to talk to him, it was difficult to get him to sit down and, and talk, which gives me Yarmir Yager vibes. Like, is there a yeah. team that Matvey Mitchkov wants to go to? Like, it, it, that's that's the vibes it gives me, because if anybody remembers, of course, Yarmir Yager went fifth overall to the Pittsburgh Penguins in the 1990 NHL draft, and he basically did it by telling one through four, hey, I'm not going to come over to the United States to play. Like, I, you can draft me, but... I'm not coming over to play. So they didn't draft him. And he told the Pittsburgh Penguins, I'll be over right away. So, you know, that's, it's not tampering because it's the prospect that decides to do that. I don't know how well that would fly in today's NHL. I don't think it would, but uh, Montvey Mitchkov, it gives me somewhat Yarmir Yager vibes in the fact that, you know, it's hard to get a hold of the kid. And it's certainly something that it's not a question of his talent, but a question of his ability or not ability, his availability. Uh, to these yeah. NHL teams and their their organizations. Yeah, it's a lot of things are up in the air with Mitchkov, and 
Hey, you know what? A team will be better with him on the with with him on their in their lineup. So there's that. But he would immediately be the pe- best prospect in the Penguin system. I know it's yeah. not saying much, but he would. Yeah. And when it comes to Jacob and his writings, it's all been great stuff. Like I said, we haven't fed him any names. He's just kind of gone out there and found them and discussed them. It's and gone into great depth and detail on these guys and. It's been a ton of fun, you know, reading through them during editing and then getting them up. And um, yeah, at this point, even I'm excited to see, to really excited to see what happens next week uh, uh, over in Nashville. Yeah, it's crazy that it's only eight days away. Like the Penguins have literally not made a single move this offseason. Oh, sorry, Alex Nylander. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Player-wise, yeah. That's and then it. They- and then, you know, obviously Kyle Dubas, and you understand yep. that they weren't going to make a lot of moves before he was hired, but man, they haven't talked to Tristan Jari? Like, what? Come it's, on now. Uh, yeah, I mean, who knows what Kyle Dubas is doing? Probably just trying to straighten out a lot with what needs to happen. He did go attend the Combine with the scouting department to kind of get a grasp and the feel of um, how our professional, or how, or how the Penguins' amateur scouts work, how they do their process, who, who they're taking out to dinners, who they are talking with at the combine, who they might have an eye on the draft, at, have an eye on at the draft. Uh, yeah, I mean, not talking to them, though, I mean, it's also maybe part of Kyle Dubas said, there, there will pretty much be no stone unturned when it comes to goalies. We'll look at in-house options, we'll look at trades, we'll look at free agency, we'll look at everything. Um, and maybe they just haven't gotten around to it yet. My assumption then also falls up to maybe that also means Zucker hasn't been talked to yet. Probably. Um, Pierre Lebrun in the Athletic did say that sh- the Jari part should change this week, though. I, I would hope assume. so, considering free agency is at least have the discussions. Yeah, at least you know out he's what at you least going to do that. Like he's not going to sit there and say, you know, Tristan, we'll talk to you after July first. We have a draft to prepare for. That's not. You know, that's, that's not how you do it. That nobody does it that way, right? Like, that's not the way to do business. But regardless, um, so you saying that uh, during that interview, and also something that Jacob said kind of threw up a, a light bulb for me when he said, you know, Tristan Jari, he's the top guy on the market this year. And whether he deserves it or not, that means he's probably going to get overpaid if he goes outside of Pittsburgh, or maybe the ask is an overpay just because he knows he's the top guy on the market. Sounds to me a lot like Jack Campbell last year. Mm-hmm. So then you look at it and say, Kyle Dubas, again, track record here. The guy is the top guy on the market. He's not willing to overpay for that guy just because he's the top guy available on the market. And Kyle Dubas burnt it down, said, let's rebuild. Got Sonov and he got Matt Murray. And listen, Matt Murray is Matt Murray. Let's not get Matt Murray. That's not what I'm saying. Elias Samsonov was one of the better goaltenders of the NHL last season. Who is that guy on the market this year that people are saying, eh, kind of down on him. He's not really a starter, but the Penguins could go swoop in, take, and, you know, get at a a better deal and eventually see him pay off. I mean, listen, it's not a given that it's going to happen every year, but there is that guy out there. I, I do believe there is that guy out there. I don't think it's an Aiden Hill. I think the heat is is... is too high for him because the price is going to be up. You're paying a cup tax, uh, especially for a guy that literally played some of the best goaltending we've seen in route to a Stanley cup. Um, so it's interesting that you saying Tristan Jari has yet to speak as of this moment when we record uh, has yet to really get into negotiations with Kyle Dubas and the Pittsburgh Penguins and Jacob saying, listen, he's, he's the top guy on the market. So he's going to ask for top guy on the market prices 
And uh, it just threw a light bulb up that, man, is that not Jack Campbell's scenario from last season? Yeah, it's the 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 Frank Cervalli projections from Daily Faceoff have him at four years, four point eight million. Um, the early discussions, I think, with with the Hextall regime, at least, if I'm remembering, I think the term started at five. It was five to six. I think five was the first number that came out, and then we heard towards the end of the season that he was looking for six uh, through, I believe, Friedman reported that from thirty two thoughts. Which, yeah, yeah, honestly, in this league where there's very little number one goaltenders, you really want to sign a guy for six years? Yeah, especially with the season he just had. I mean, those talks may have happened with Hextall before, like maybe during that winning streak he went on in like November. I mean, but everything that's happened since, you you can't give him that kind of term. No, Uh, no. So it's going to be interesting to see where they go with Tristan Jari here. And when it comes to this... This goalie that you're thinking might maybe the Samsonov type, where maybe not pe- people aren't too high on him. Maybe he can't be a starter anymore. There's not many names that can do that. My head keeps going to Frederick Anderson, but then immediately turns into exactly what you said on this show a few weeks ago. He's Tristan Jari, but older. Mm-hmm. And you're right. The only other name that maybe, maybe can do that, that I'm kind of seeing if I'm not just missing other names... And this is a huge maybe because I'm I'm still not high on it either. Warner Persuat, maybe. It's hard to it's also hard to pick a Vegas goalie because there was five of them and they all did well. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So it's hard to really pick a Vegas goalie in that situation too. It, it the Penguins Cal Dewis and the Penguins gotta really figure something out here with their goalie. A name that yeah, it's not one for one because Sam Sonov did find a lot more success in Washington than this player did in his previous team, and he's an RFA, so I'm not sure that the New Jersey Devils would be amendable to actually allowing him to walk. Mackenzie Blackwood could be an interesting name there because, I mean, they found their guy last season in Vitek Vanacek. They also have Nico Dawes, and then we also saw Schmid? Who, who's our uh, yes, goaltender? Akira. Akira Schmid. Akira. I was thinking... Uh, somebody else but Akira Schmid was the story of the the first round of the playoffs so where does Mackenzie Blackwood fit into that I mean he made 2.8 million dollars last year he certainly has not had the track record in the NHL certainly not the one that Ilya Samsonov has had but he did have a lot of the intangibles and there was a lot of promise with Mackenzie Blackwood maybe a change of scenery gets the job done for him but I would think if you bring in the guy like that it's the same thing as uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs last season you have to go out and bring somebody else in as a backup plan. Matt Murray was the backup plan in Toronto last season. If he would have stayed healthy, it might have been a decent backup plan, but that's just Matt Murray's career. Who's your backup plan on the, the free agent market now? Because it can't be Casey to Smith again. I know I've said in the past that if you don't bring back Tristan Jari, Casey to Smith probably stays at $1.8 million for one more year. But if you bring in a guy like Mackenzie Blackwood, you probably need to go find somebody else as well. I don't know if that's a Alex Nedeljkovic. I don't know if that's a veteran like Anton Hudobin. Uh, there's a lot of different ways that Kyle Dubas could go with his goaltending situation. Um, based on what he said, there, there's a lot of different ways he's going to look to go for his goaltending yeah. situation. But I, I thought it was interesting that this season, 
Tristan Jari is essentially in the Jack Campbell role for that he was in for the Toronto Maple Leafs last offseason. I think that that's going to be a story that plays out over the next eight days. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot more that comes out of that. Uh, and it's certainly going to be an interesting one to, to keep an eye on, one that we're probably going to end up talking about pretty often on this show. Yeah, and we have no, and it's it's going to be fun watching. I mean, it it doesn't also doesn't help that every name you're listing off here, I'm just cringing at. You're you're listing off the I, yeah. There's it, question marks about better. everybody. There's question yeah. marks about everybody at this point. I mean, I just look at this list still. It's Jonathan Quick, ugh, Simeon Varlamov. He might actually resign in New York, which is interesting. Frederick Anderson, ugh, Jonathan Bernier, ugh, Cam Talbot, gross. There's, there's Tristan Jari, then there's Anton Kudobin, old, probably retiring. Nedeljkovic, I, I don't need to go on another victory lap with him. Brassois, I just mentioned. James Reimer, ugh, Mike Smith, retired. Anti Ranta, okay, old, dang it. <laughs> it's not a good <laughs> list. It's not entertaining rolling down these names. They're all over 35, basically, oh. and it's frightening. Yeah, not bad as a backup guy, but the Penguins. Yeah, I could take. I'll take most of these guys as a backup, but I would want a sure shot starter in front of them. I don't want to use these guys even as a one B. Yeah. So, (laughs) man, goaltending situation is uh, that to me needs to be the first domino to fall, because then every other move you make before that, people are going to be like, "Well, what's left for goaltending? How much space did you just take up? What that could have been spent on goaltending." For my sanity and for the sanity of the fan base, figure out the goaltending situation, please. <laughs> when when but, guys like Connor Hellebuck, Carter Hart's no longer on the market, apparently. Uh, UC Soros. UC Soros, but again, going to cost a lot. Whenever there are guys that are going to cost a lot, sure, no one likes John Gibson, but he's going to cost a lot and could be an option. I mean, you you need the assets to make that decision first. Yeah, that's it's true. Tough. It's tough. That's true. We don't they have don't the really assets have to it. make that decision first, yeah. They do have the 14th overall selection, but as we talked about in the first segment with Jacob Puntori, maybe you keep that pick. It's a deep draft. Maybe that's a pick that you actually select and try to groom a prospect to be a part of the next era of Pittsburgh Penguins hockey. But thank you again to Jacob, by the way, for joining the show. That is going to be it for this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. We'll be back next time. 